Over the last 15 years, I've worked in and with various nonprofits. And while each has had a worthy mission and made tremendous impact, one of the things I've always seen is that they worked in silos and these silos often held them back. But why? I mean, isn't it our mission as nonprofits to work to make a difference? Why do we continue to work alone? How can we put bureaucracy and differences aside to get to the core of the issues and break down barriers that our communities face? How can we advocate for true inclusion and supports that further collaborative efforts? Join me, Monique Curry-Mims, as I sit down with community members, leaders, funders from our community and around the nation to gain insight, best practices, and resources that will help define how to work collectively to not only further your mission, but to implement real and lasting solutions in our communities. Welcome to 360 Philanthropy. This is Monique. Thank you for joining me today. Now, in November of 2019, Civic Capital Consulting, which I am the principal and founder of, with the help of Michael O'Brien, Thomas Valera, Aaron Corbett-Wright, Chanel Ransom, and Kate Houston launched Philanthropy Week. Philanthropy Week was a multi-day event that gathered nonprofit leaders, community members, residents, foundation leaders together to have a real diverse and open conversation surrounded by panels and coffee chats and interactive workshops on how we together can get to the core of the issues that Philadelphia faces. I mean, let's be real. No one person, no one organization is really going to be able to make a great enough impact to change the issues that are facing our residents. We really need to come together to advocate for true inclusion and support that further collaborative efforts and create a collective impact effort that really moves the needle in our issues in our communities. We all know the data, we all know the poverty rates, we all know the educational attainment rates, but what can we do together to really make this happen? Now, after this successful event and this thought-provoking launch, Philanthropy Week is now graciously going to be an annual event that pushes this conversation forward. And 360 Philanthropy was our lead event. And now it's going to continue as a bi-weekly conversation with leaders in and around our community. Each quarter, we will focus on a theme that ties each episode that quarter together, as well as throughout the year, creates a well-rounded picture that gives listeners insights and resources to further their organization, their personal philanthropic practice, and really create the community impact that they're looking for. Our inaugural theme is Leaders of Change, and on this episode, you will hear part of a panel conversation between philanthropic leaders, Michael O'Brien, a Lindy Institute Fellow and a Director of Learning at the Village of Arts and Humanities, Christina Madison, who is the President and CEO of Madison Advisors, LLC, and Suleiman Rahman, who is the CEO of Diverse Force. So what is philanthropy and how do leaders like Mike, Christine, and Suleiman impact it? Take a moment to listen to this powerful conversation. Um, I think the biggest contribution, basically was being on, like, oh, I'm on the board for the Fells Fund, I'm also on the board for Philadelphia Cultural Fund, and like, yeah, we can, I can put out big ideas and thoughts, but, and like help direct money in the places, but I think the biggest space for disruption really gets into this point about data and around who gets to say what data matters, who's a part of collecting that, who's profiting from that, what are the 
uh, data points going into these frameworks that are being used to embed and to approve what interventions or preventions get used, et cetera. Um, because people's humanity is just constantly being like run over and bombarded and accosted in so many ways so that even when we're trying to do well, we end up doing so much harm. And capitalism just creates harm, unfortunately. Like It is harm is part and parcel to how capitalism works. And we have to name it and be comfortable with the uncomfortability, right? That that is a part of how we have created the 21st century world and what's evolved into being you know, the current state of international markets. And, that, and it's not one person's fault. It's not, and no one person is going to rectify that. And I think when we sit in that complexity, it actually, to me, get, got a little easier. Well, I'll speak for myself. When I sat in that complexity, it got a lot easier for me because I was able to relieve myself of certain um, pushes. Like, I gotta, I gotta end poverty. No, I don't have to end poverty, actually. It's a, I didn't create it. I will, no one person will end it. It is a collective work and job to end it. Same with racism and sexism, etc. Homophobia, transphobia, right? No one person can end that. It is a collective endeavor. And in certain cases, some people have more responsibility to help solve for those issues than others. Like I don't think it is a cis man's responsibility to really address patriarchy and sexism. It is not the responsibility of the impacted to, uh, to have to address sexism and patriarchy. So um, I appreciate that women are part of that journey, but I think it's unfair to think that they're going to shovel um, that, or femme-identified folks are going to shovel the brunt of that work. And so I think you take it to any subject matter and any ism, including capitalism, and I think it's unfair to think that people in poverty are going to have to shovel that work themselves. And getting back to data, where they, where classism also has, rears its head, nobody wants to listen to folks who have been impacted by poverty. Um, we actually have very, if you think the opposite way, we have very interesting, like, simple <coughs> methodologies we use to determine who gets to work on an issue. So it's kind of like the more money you have, the more we think you somehow have some endowment of knowledge to work on an issue that you have no professional experience with, you have no theoretical uh, underpinnings or background with, so you can go into a field and waste billions, literally billions, on like, education reform with no theoretical grounding in, in that area, right? Like this happens all the time in philanthropy and it's wild. It is wild. And I just sit back, I'm like, how is this happening? So I consider myself a bit of a rogue scholar and now I'm like someone up here. I think, you know, the reality of our lives being finite is real. And I sat in that reality as well for my spiritual self and practices. And I was like, you know, if I died tomorrow, what am I left behind for people to continue this work? You know, and not that like my ideas are so great, but all of our ideas are so great. Somebody should be able to see our passion and our gifts and our talents and be able to build on them when we're gone. Otherwise, it's, it's really personally driven, right? If nobody can do anything with my stuff when I'm gone, then like, whoa, what's that about, right? Like that's, that's a personal magic thing, which is like cool when someone's alive, but once they're gone, it's like how, yeah, it's temporary, how much wasted potential is there? So. In that respect, I'm really working on building out frameworks and methodologies, practices, and tools. Uh, There's a budding framework I'm loosely naming Designing for Humanity. We've got some interesting folks that are putting some money behind some research 
to really uh, get this moving, but it's right now looking at the intersections between human resilience, market-based resilience, and ecological resilience, because we have a number of problems in the 21st century that we keep viewing as individual silos. So what's it like to actually look at convergence around strength, around growth, and around buffering the impact of really traumatic experiences, whether they're in the markets, whether they're in nature, the environment itself, or whether you know it's dealing with people and social conditioning, and where's our best opportunity for moving forward in that, and from that space, a lot of voices matter, including the ones who, you know, their humanity we bombard or completely run over. So again, it's about, for me, infrastructure and leaving tools and practices behind. So to add to that, uh, I'll talk about um, just how I'm disrupting the spaces I lead. Uh, for me, the first thing was being in the field for so long. When I started in philanthropy, I was not welcome. It's like, who's this black young girl? Um, I will just, when I started my first philanthropic job, I didn't have the major gifts experience and I didn't have, I didn't look like everyone else. I was told that I didn't reflect my portfolio. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, That's you know, <laughs> let me go now <laughs> because I, you know, and one person quoted, uh, the chief development officer went away on vacation and brought, bumped his head and brought her back. Um, and that person I ended up mentoring before I left um, the organization. But where I'm going with this is the work that you put in Finally, people have begun to listen. They're like, obviously she knows what she's doing to a degree, or at least I've had a level of experience. And now I do take seriously the platform that I have, right? So if you're sitting in a boardroom or you're sitting with conversations and our goals around philanthropy is that we want these kids to get a high school grad, you know, graduate from high school or to get their GED, or we just want them to get a living wage job. My answer to that, is that enough, right? Because that's not a solution. Right? That's that cycle that we're discussing. And a lot of nonprofits are built around that to say, let's just get them here. And then, and here is not enough because they're here, right? So I've been trying to challenge those conversations where I can say I come from humble beginnings. And yes, I have an education. And yes, I've been a philanthropist for 15 years. And we haven't seen this work. So that has really helped in some spaces. The unique space that uh, I am enjoying right now is when I first started my firm and talking with corporate social responsibility as far as assessing and designing and implementing for corporations, typically one billion and above, I found that they speak a different language than the philanthropic space, right? And we sit on two sides of the room. And the two right now shall never meet. What I am excited about is I was pounding the pavement and you know you have to do good and you know some corporate some corporations can actually outsource their infrastructure to my firm where they don't have to have that infrastructure let's just do it well well what happens is now if you had me pounding the pavement and saying let's do good and Suleiman learned a few questions I'm like yeah great and I had a CEO that mentors me and said stop being a social worker mm -hmm. that's not what CEOs want to hear and it was the best advice because when you go into a corporation and you speak their language to say, let me talk to you about your business model and how the dollars that you're spending can be maximized. Let me translate what you consider an expense into an investment. Now you have that year where I can look at your growth portfolio. Amazon failed, right? They thought that they could go to New York, expand because they were Amazon. Where I talk to corporations to say, your philanthropy should arrive before you do. What allows you to think that you have a ticket where you could just plop, right? And Amazon has a, a huge philanthropic arm. 
No one had the idea to have their philanthropic portfolio shift 16 months in advance to New York to say, I am a corporate citizen, and this is what we should do. It's just, I'm Amazon, and I'm going to move in. And it didn't work out that way. So now I can talk to businesses and corporations to say, your stakeholders are asking <coughs> these questions now. Your growth, you can look at your friend Amazon and see that it doesn't work that way. You're, as far as count, we're in a full employment market right now. Retention, recruitment, all of those things matter, and it can be maximized or solved with dollars that you're spending already. So then now it brings this gap to, okay, how do I do that? Then I talk to nonprofits to say, look, they're analyzing nonprofits as investments now. And they're looking and they're evaluating you much differently. Don't be the blockbuster, right? Where you sit and you think you're, the strategy that you have or the infrastructure has worked or not, um, because we do have that thing that we just keep trying to make it work even though it hasn't worked for decades, uh, to say, look at how you position yourself as a nonprofit to make yourself as what I call a charity of choice. So now I am able to create portfolios for organizations and help them in their truth, where we analyze their portfolios to say, are you trying to make this impact? Because not necessarily is what you're achieving here. But then we also have this wealth of information that we can share not with nonprofits because we know what they're looking for on this side. And that's what I think I learned in my journey is that there are two different languages. And for our nonprofits, how can you speak the language? And for those companies, I can't tell you how many firms call and say, I have X amount of dollars I have to get rid of in X amount of time. Who do I give it to? So you can definitely tell it's a disconnect. She didn't call me yet. <laughs> 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 and it's typically the, I mean, the, the financial institutions that call you fast to say, and you know what budget season is. So for this wealth of information that I saw on the side, and I didn't even get all of that when I was in a nonprofit executive role. This has been this new nucleus that has been evolving that I'm so excited to come back to the community and say, let me tell you what's going on. And that connection I haven't seen exist or at least be at this frequency that I'm able to facilitate now, um, which I'm looking forward to the impact thereof. Could I just respond to that real quick? So we're actually working together yes. on some stuff. I'm really <laughs> excited because that is, that is exactly what led me to this space around like science and data and tools and people to, because I would talk to folks and be like, man, I'm bringing, I'm bringing all this like trauma-informed crap to, provide to uh, employers and they're like, I don't have time to be a social worker, we got a profit margin. But when I started to talk about market-based resilience, when I started to talk about shifting and changing tides and economics and trends and unpredictability of markets, they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, oh snap, this is a lexicon issue. <laughs> and a framing and like, and it made sense. So I'm just excited. To that's exactly what it is, it's language. You know, that's why I hang around these guys too. You know, I was an entrepreneur trying to get into philanthropy and saying, what's the, you know, what's the language that unlocks the chest, if you will? So it's always about the vocabulary, unfortunately. Uh, about the vocabulary, it's about the relationships that you're developing. And when you develop the relationship, speaking the language that says, okay, you know, talking about you understand me. And that changes in the private sector, it changes in the nonprofit sector, it changes in, you know, and banks, it's CRA, and then it's uh, corporate social responsibility. You got capital markets talking the ESG alignment so it's all these different you know terminology you got to have this cultural agility if you will of where you're talking and speaking the right language and unfortunately sometimes it could be the the the, 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 the tail wagging the dog too 
you then you got to get back centered with what do I really want to do here? Because philanthropy is that invisible hand that'll push you all over the place, and before you know it, you're like, that's not where I was trying to be. You know, I'm trying to language things in a way, and the next you know, you have mission drift on what you're doing. So it's so important to be centered on what you want to do, who are the stakeholders you want to speak to, need to speak to that have similar uh, philosophies. And you know, sometimes you got to learn language. I was at the uh, Philanthropy Network conference, and it was a, a woman who uh, leads a, uh, a, a foundation. She was uh, formerly a, a principal, and she was thinking, just thinking outside of the box as far as um, how to help communities that may not speak this, the language to communicate their message, not, you know, it didn't mean that they were not impactful. So she actually flipped the model where they would come in and her team would write the grant for them. So understand <laughs> what they were trying to say and then write the grant to themselves so they can speak their own language internally, but say with that, you know, what, what this organization is gonna do and it's all much more higher return on doing that versus just funding everyone who spoke the language or had great grant writers in that case, and she used an analogy um, that many of you probably heard at the event. She talked about, you know, Jennifer Lopez in the movie uh, Hustler. And one thing she said, she said that, um, you know, the world's like a big strip club. She said, someone's throwing the money and someone's doing the dance. And the reality is, unfortunately, many times you find that, that, you know, philanthropies deciding on uh, where the money's going and, and people are just dancing to get the money versus, uh, you know, really making making an impact. And unfortunately, the, the intellect behind that or the ideas behind that are coming from organizations that cause the problem. Powerful, right? I mean, 360 Philanthropy and Philanthropy Week as a whole was really engaging, really thought-provoking, and really got to some of the issues, the heart of the issues that we're facing and what people are doing about it within their personal practice or within their organizational practice. We promise that throughout this podcast and throughout this year, we will continue to share with you pieces of our panel discussions because they were so powerful that they have to be shared beyond just that week of events. But we also promise that 2020's event will be bigger and better than ever, and we hope to see you in attendance. However, back to this conversation. What is your role and place in our community's philanthropic efforts? Michael's right. Those that are oppressed should not have to lead the efforts of change when our issues are so systematically and institutionally ingrained that one march or one grant proposal or even one organization is going to make a true difference in these issues. What are your thoughts on our philanthropic sector? Where are the collective efforts that you want to highlight that might have best practices but might not get the shine that they deserve? Or what collective efforts do you think that we need to have that you want to start and really be a part of, let us know. Shoot us an email at monique at civiccapitalconsulting.com or even hit us on Twitter at Civic Capital. But we also would like for you to join us on our next episode as we interview Michelle Currica, the new leader and new grants and operations manager at Samuel S. Fells Fund. We're going to get to know more about her journey in philanthropy and what she's learned along the way that can help us as we work to make a true impact in our community. This has been 360 Philanthropy. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, and even on our website at www.civiccapitalconsulting.com forward slash the 
Dash Collective as part of our collective philanthropic magazine. If there are any other places that you would like for us to distribute on, let us know. We want to make sure that we're hitting you and your community in the best places possible. Also, drop us a line and give us a review. We're new and we want to make sure that we are providing you and the community with the best possible resources, conversations, and insights that are going to be truly impactful. So give us a review. Give us some suggestions. Let us know what people, what organizations that you would like to hear from. Until next time, thank you for joining us. Be the change that you want to see. And I hope to see you soon.